All right. Well, on the phone right now, we've got somebody in the Texas music scene, Mr. Randy Seymour. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon to you. How are you doing today in Lufkin? Oh, great. Um, the weather's changing. Um, my dog's happy. My wife's happy. Uh, you know, I couldn't ask for more, so it's all good. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you there. The wife is happy when the dogs are happy. And uh, the yep. dog, instead of the dogs walking out, doing their business and running back to the door, you know, panting, going, let us in. Now they want to go out there and uh, run and roll. So, well, good. Yeah, I'm here yep. in Parker County out near Weatherford. So we finally have in our fall weather. And uh, yeah. very welcomed. Um, unfortunately, that brings that uh, terrible pumpkin spice around. So, yeah. But our wives like it, so it's okay. <laughs> well, in, into every life, uh, some... Some uh, something un- unfortunate must creep, but uh, it's only temporary. In every season, some pumpkin spice must That's fall. Right. <laughs> it will give way to turkey and dressing. Amen. That should be year round. <laughs> Randy, some of our listeners, uh, since you're the first time here on Real Texas Radio of us speaking with you, I'd like to take a few moments and uh, travel down the storyline of Randy Moore. So let's start off uh, your early early years of uh, of jumping in here into the music scene. Well, I grew up uh, in a little town called Humble, which is north of Houston, and um, I started playing music just because um, I wasn't very good at playing football. I uh, started playing guitar, and I got into writing some songs, and everything I was doing had a lot of country influences and stuff, and um, so my mom and dad actually said, you know, you should we should make a record. We should, we should do something with this. You really seem to like this, and so... Um, they didn't really know anybody, but my dad had a high school friend who happened to be a radio personality uh, in Houston, Texas at the time. His name was Arch Yancey. And so he called him up, and Arch remembered my dad very famously because my dad was, they both went to Messick High School in Memphis, Tennessee, and my dad was a big-time football player there. And Arch was on the football team, but he was kind of like me. He was better at playing guitar than he was football. <laughs> So dad was kind of a hero. So he said, of course, I'll help, I'll help uh, Randy get started. So he helped me get started, um, started doing my own recordings there in Houston at a studio that I found out later that George Strait recorded his first demo recordings at, which wow. is kind of neat. Some history. So um, I ended up making a record and I released it when I was around 16 years old and Arch played it. And I got airplay in Houston and different places. And so and I was still in high school, so I really hadn't decided on like just hitting the road full time with my guitar and a band and and um, a bunch of fast food. <laughs> so I kind of thought it over, and I ended up getting a job in Nashville to work up there. So I decided to move up there because they were making great records there, and they were they write great songs. Right. There. So I wanted to learn all that. And of course, when you move there your ambition is to to get signed and become Conway Twitty, mm-hmm. which there's only one Conway Twitty, but, um, and I'm not him, <laughs> but thank God for him and for me. Um, so I knocked around Nashville a bunch and I got to do a lot of stuff. I played the Opry a couple of times, played on Ernest Tubbs midnight jamboree. I met some great folks to write songs with one of my best, uh, stories and things that I got to do is I got to meet and write songs with a guy named Carl Perkins who lived down oh, yeah. in Jackson, Tennessee. Yeah. And um, he and I were friends and um, I miss him mm. because Carl was one of those guys um, talking to you. 
it gives me the actual idea again that that there are a lot of nice people in the music business as well which um unfortunately sometimes that's not the rule it's the exception and carl was definitely the exception he was a sweetheart of a guy completely down to earth and always willing to help and always had a big old smile so it's a it's a good lesson it was a good lesson for me that even if you do become a very very um major name in the entertainment industry you don't have to become a complete jerk you know you can you can still be a nice guy it's okay so um i got to do things like that um and then i just it seemed like writing songs and recording and doing things and knocking around nashville and and all the traveling i'd done there was always something missing um in what was going on so I um I got together with this girl who went Texas crazy, so I married her, <laughs> and she wanted to move to Texas. Smart man, uh, because she was she was I'd brought her here a few times and she just loved it. So finally, we just made the jump in 2020. So I moved back to Lufkin, and I found out what was missing with my music. It was mm-hmm. basically Texas was right. missing. Uh, it, it's a place where I feel more creative and I feel more free to do the kind of things musically and and artistically that I was not really, I, I guess, in Tennessee, well, in Nashville, being an industrial sort of an atmosphere for for the music industry, it doesn't really cater a lot of times to art, artistry. It's it's really more about uh, what can we what can we make a buck off of today, which which I completely get. I mean, right. they don't they don't open these record labels and and do all these things be, for fun. You know, they're doing it so they can buy nice houses and they can all have 401ks and junk like that. I get it. Uh, that's just, to me, that just, as an artist or as a songwriter, as a as a singer and stuff like that, sometimes that stuff doesn't really kind of completely line up with me. And I've always told people, I think one of my problems has always been, I've never really been ambitious, but I've always had fun doing this. Yeah. So, um, so that's kind of the the thumbnail sketch of of uh how things the the twisty windy trail that i've traveled right uh, to get back to texas has, has been yeah you mentioned uh, uh nashville um you know being being a machine and you're right people do travel to nashville to to make it big uh they do have some incredible producers and studio musicians and uh, and just great venues um i used to relate and I'm going to use a broad brush here. If we, if uh, my generation, we used to grew, we grew up on the Brady Bunch. There was a time that the Brady Bunch were in a band, and they had the jumpsuits with the stripes going down the side. And producer pulled in Greg. Greg, we love the family and everything. It's great, but really, really want you. And then a guy walks in with this like glitterized, bedazzled bullfighter jacket. And, but we want you to be Johnny Bravo. Yeah. It wasn't that yeah. Greg was fantastic. It was. Greg fit the jacket, <clears throat> or the jacket yeah. fit Greg, vice versa. So he he became Johnny Bravo, and that's what they were going to create. Of course, Greg went, no, I'm, I'm going to stick with my families and not make millions, Greg. <laughs> and, but I use, that, on, yeah, I use that as a broad brush with Nashville. Uh, we have a lot of Texas artists that go there to record and, uh, and really hone their skills. And uh, thank heavens... Uh, Ninety-nine percent of them uh, realize where their roots are and come back to Texas. Um, 
But as as Nashville is very structured, and I have friends that were there that were songwriters, and and Jamie Richards did that for for a number of years, and Daryl Dodd did, and you know, people, like we can go down the list, and they loved it. They honed their skills. I mean, literally, they they broke their teeth on it, if you will. Um, but they said it's very structured. They tell you the length of time, the tempo, specific words or phrases, how to do this or that. But what drives you now in your pursuit um, and your style of songwriting that maybe Nashville pushed you down this road? Have you completely abandoned that road and just made a you know a, a westerly turn towards Texas and leave that? Or have you taken any of that style lessons obviously and put that into your songwriting now well i think i think being in in nashville and being around the music industry there it did kind of teach me the art of of what to avoid Mm -hmm. um in other words i think i learned more about editing and taking what it was i was wanting to say and turning it into something that really was something that people would hear when I said it mm-hmm. instead of just saying it and hoping that somebody heard it, it really gave me the skill to go, okay, how is it that I really want to say this? Because I want it to come out of my mouth and any sound likes come out of my mouth, mm-hmm. honestly, mm-hmm. but it needs to, it needs to say, it needs to say it in a way. In other words, it, it kind of showed me how to, you know, examine uh, things that I was doing. Now, the, the bad part of that was, is being there, it turned me into a person who was overthinking things. And a lot of times I was probably putting out things or doing things uh, that I thought other people expected of of it or right. of me. Mm-hmm. Here in Texas, I, I, I'm not a victim to that sort of thing any longer. I can take the I can take the lessons and all the things that I learned from from that sort of boot camp uh, society, so to speak, um, uh, or, or culture, and I'm I'm bringing it back to a place where, you know, I can start my own war, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly, <laughs> you know? and I can I can do it on my own terms, yeah, right, um, right. and that's that's important to me because I, I've seen people who um, who do fit the the Johnny Bravo jacket there, and they fit it quite well. Unfortunately, I, I have a I have a an, a look at it, and I go, could I actually have even done that? I think God was looking out for me when He said, "The jacket, the Johnny Bravo jacket, is is not going to fit you." Okay, <laughs> you can try it on, but it's it's the shoulders are going to be too tight, the arms are going to be too short, right? You know, um, it's and it's going to just be very uncomfortable to wear. So, in a way. I tell people all the time because I, I do I do get these questions from time to time when they hear they hear me live or they get to know me they go I, I don't I don't understand why aren't you on the whatever and I have two answers for them one is if I was on the big whatever then you and I wouldn't be having this conversation mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be able to get to know you as a person so second of all I said you know it could very well be that I was probably chasing something I didn't really want to catch so. Yes. Uh, in in a manner of speaking, um, they do things that the way that they need to do them in order to uh, turn something out that's going to make money. Mm-hmm. I do things in a way that, that 
I want to do because I want to turn out something that reaches folks and and makes them feel a little bit better. If that if money is involved, then I always say, well, that's kind of a byproduct of it. That that's not my main goal. So, not that I don't want to pay my bills and I don't want to have a nice boat to to go fishing in, but at the same time, I've I've never been in. I've never really been put in the situation where I've had to go, I've had to make the choice of, okay, you can either make money or you can make yourself happy with, with what you're doing. Right. So, and, and that's, that's really, you know, that's a really hard thing that happens to a lot of people, not just in the music industry, but it happens to people who they, they have a dream or they have something that they really love to do, but their, their sort of pragmatic side says, well, you can't really make a lot of money doing that, but you have this skill to be able to do this. Right, now, right. In your heart, you ain't going to be happy doing it, but you'll have a good retirement, and you'll get to buy a Corvette when you're 75. You know? <laughs> one of the questions so, I, I ask people is, you know, is what you know? One day we all leave this earth, and what type of, or what is, what do you want your legacy to be? And I ask people, you know, what is it that you want people to remember you by, and you know, people say, oh, I want to be remembered as a nice person. Well, that's not me. I, always, I would want everyone to say Michael still owed me 20 bucks. But but right. I think it's interesting. You you answer that question roundabout. It's like you, you want to be able to wake up and look at yourself in the mirror and face your family every day and say, hey, you know what? I gave of my heart and my soul of my God-given you know talent and shared it. And what came, came. Thankfully, there was success. But, you know, you didn't do it for that gold ring, you know, on, on the, on the merry-go-round. And it's and to your point, you know the gold ring is is always there. Mm-hmm. But I, I say when when people ask about and, and this kind of plays into my sort of spirituality that that I really I really embrace. Um, when when people look at a guy like Tim McGraw, for instance, and they go, "Why is this guy so successful? Why is he so wildly?" you know, popular. How, how, how did this happen? Why did this happen? And I always say, you know, there's really a plan for everybody's life. And in his life, the plan was for him to do that because that's probably what needed to happen most for him, right. for him to turn out to be a pretty good person. Um, you, you know, you, and then you see people that, that things awful happen to them and you go, you don't know if that's a plan for their life or not. But, but what I'm saying is, is, is I don't look at people who like have superstardom in the entertainment industry as like they're more fortunate than me. I look at it as like, man, that's their story. That's what they're doing. And coming back to Texas made me realize even more and more that this is my story mm-hmm. and I love it. I love what I'm doing. I love all the people that I'm getting to hang around and talk to and meet. And it's it's all everything really since I've gotten here it's all been a, a win-win and a lot of times in capital letters for me. And, I, you know, I, I look at the place that I live. I look at the woman that I'm, that I'm married to. I just look at everything and I go, if I don't have evidence that God loves me, then I must be completely blind, <laughs> yeah. you know. And you mentioned, so, with, with, uh, you mentioned with other success, and sometimes, you know, some people look at that and go, you know, I wish I had that. How come they got it and I have it? And I said, well, some people's rewards are only here on earth while others right. are come later 
you know, but uh, yeah, you have to look at it, you know, and, and you said it says, you know, what is, there's a purpose for it. I don't believe in coincidence and I believe there's a purpose for everything. And, you know, the, you, your success, you know, air quotes around that may not even be about you. It may be uh, your success may just play a role in the path of somebody else. And, but it's, you know, a, a very divine and critical path that you must go for somebody else's benefit. And we'll know about it one day, but, you know. Well, there are little, me- there are little messages from time to time that you can, you can kind of see. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to quote something that I probably have never quoted before, but it does come to me from time to time. It's a great line from a really great song that the Eagles recorded called Sad Cafe. And Don Henley sings something to the effect of, uh, now I look at the years go by and wonder at the powers that be. I don't know why fortune smiles on some and lets the let the rest go free. Mm-hmm. And when when you hear that, you go, Unless you've been doing this like those guys have done it, you don't realize that when fortune smiles on you, <laughs> it doesn't mean you're free. <laughs> exactly, it means that you're kind of by that whole thing. So um, it's a it's a strange kind of a thing that that when people achieve a superstardom, uh, people on the outside are going, "Wow, this is that's so great." I'm like, and and I look at it and I go. There is no way I could live the life that they're living. I don't have, I don't have the time, nor do I have the intestinal fortitude or the patience. Really, right. uh, my hat, my hat is completely off to all of them, no matter how they got there. Because I go, you know what? <laughs> way to go, good for you. <laughs> amen, amen. So, question: You've had the opportunity to co-write, play, record with numerous other artists. You know, if people go down your bio. Um, but curious, is there a song out there that you wish you would have written? And I don't necessarily mean for, uh, the reasons that it went, uh, you know, triple platinum and made, you know, 40 gazillion dollars, but maybe a song out there that, uh, you just wish you would have written because it is so powerful. It is so personal. It touches you and go, I wish I would have written that song. You know, there again, not for the claim, just because of the purity and the message and the feeling and the, you know, you can sink, sink your fingers and teeth into it. And it's, it's you. Is there a song out there? There's a song that, um, Louis Armstrong recorded years ago and it's written by some, probably just some staff writers who were maybe working at the Brill building at the time. Who knows? <laughs> it's called uh, wonder it. What a wonderful world. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's the song that I would have written because, it is so dadgum pure and easy and honest that every every line of it basically it not only does it paint a picture but it also paints a feeling and and to me that's that's really the essence of a great song a great song will paint a picture mm-hmm. and it will paint a feeling all at the same time because as creators of of music and as purveyors of music, we're not really selling notes and chords and, and, and words. We're, we're selling emotions and feelings. And, and that's, those, those are the things that, that really, that last. And, um, that song is the one, if I'd have, if I'd have written, if I could have a time machine, I'd have been sitting in that room with those guys writing that song. (laughs) (laughs) 
I happened to um, hear that song this past weekend. It was the uh, uh, Larry Joe Taylor Rhymes and Vines, and Tejas Brothers sang it. And it is, it really is an absolute um, beautiful song. I mean, you know, we're, we're the writers, like I said, in the Brill, Brill offices, you know, imagine this of, of people just holding hands and, but he puts, he puts a, a wonderful spin. Have you ever thought, do you play that song in, uh, in your shows? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I play it. like one of my wife's favorite songs. And I always tell people when I play it that we have a lot of songs for holidays and celebrations. And I tell them, you know, this is a song that we ought to sing at Thanksgiving. This is almost like a song about Thanksgiving. So. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So I agree. So it, it, it just, you know, and it's probably, you know, the lyrics and, and probably what it says are probably unrealistic, you know, in, in the scope of things, but in, in the dream scope of things, it's completely embraceable and it's completely something mm-hmm. that you would, you would hope you would hope that one day that, that everybody would just kind of embrace a piece of it and, and stick it in their pocket or, or in the back pocket of their heart somewhere and, you know, kind of walk around with that and always kind of have that mm. to be something that's just an essential part of, of their, not only of just their life, but of their happiness. Because I tell people all the time, you know, happiness is, is not just something that happens to you. It's something that you have to, you have to get, that way you can't go get it there's nothing out there it's up to you to kind of make up your mind if you make up your mind to be happy believe me it's almost like an exercise do it every day you know yeah. and doggone it it'll start doing itself yeah. <laughs> so. I, I do want to say that that year came out the year i was born that watch, song did watch all the kids try to figure out the math yeah, yeah. 1967 well, uh, it's uh, I, the only reason I remember that is because I got one of those birthday cards. Things that happened the year you were born. You Louis were Armstrong, born. what a wonderful world! It was actually. Yeah. I'm trying to remember who who wrote it. Um, he actually wrote got under a, um, a what do you call it? Not a pseudonym, a, a different name. Um, but it was a jazz guy that wrote it. Oh, see, there's it's our got guys listed here. I don't know if it's because. You know, it it was ever a PD or not, but it's got a guy named Harold Admanson and and John Watson and Jan Savitt. I have no idea who these people are. You know, yeah. I just know that Louis Armstrong was such a great artist. You know, at one point after World War II, he went out and he toured mm-hmm. the world. He toured Europe and a lot of foreign countries, and there were so many countries that he went to that he he played shows in that people bought tickets, and a lot of them couldn't even speak English, but they sang um, the song. Act- yeah. A lot of people actually came to America and became legal immigrants and the whole deal because they heard Louis Armstrong singing in their country and they thought, if this is what's in America, that's where I want to go. Yeah, you know? absolutely. But, and absolutely, yeah, he finally got into what the uh, Grammy Hall of Fame. Yeah. Oh, gosh, like 2000 or something like that. Yeah, finally. <laughs> finally. finally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, a beautiful song. So, when you're traveling around and a, a thought pops into your head for a song, do you, are you um, the technical person? Pull, pull out your phone, record it. Or are you a notepad person? How do you? How, what do you do when you when an idea comes to mind? Well, usually i I used to try to just either remember it or I would try to write it down. But definitely, this phone thing with the little recording device on the phone is like 
it's made a world of difference right. because I can instantly put that in there. And what it, what it instantly has is it not only instantly has the, the original sort of energy that I was looking for. A lot of times it's the actual, the actual tempo that the song needs to be in, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> you know, which is kind of cool. So, um, I find myself often doing that. Um, basically putting it in record when I haven't even worked out a melody or a structure or anything. Um, and and it's good because, um, it always feels really natural Mm -hmm. once I do it in that process. Um, you know, a lot of songs that, that happen, um, they don't happen from front to back. They'll happen from the middle to the end. They'll happen just as one phrase or they'll happen as a chorus or something. Mm -hmm. So I always try to just do something. I I treat a song a lot, a lot like I treat a golf game. I try not to take too many practice swings at it. Um, (laughs) I try to just kind of just have the, the, the confidence just to step up and hit it. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's, that's important because, I've been guilty, like probably a lot of songwriters, of of taking a song and just burying it in in repetition and and just over uh, overwriting it, you know, rewriting it, rewriting it, and all of a sudden I don't like it anymore. Yeah. And that's that's not a good thing. That's that's almost like a disservice to to a really good idea a lot of times. So so what I'll do is I'll I'll put that thing down, and if it's if it kind of sticks with me, then I'll kind of get with it early one morning, um, later on, if it doesn't stick with me, I'll just leave it in the recording device and it might just come to my head, you know, a year, two years later, whatever. Um, there's a song that I was writing. I haven't released it yet, but <clears throat> it's a great song now. Uh, but uh, my mom was in hospice care in, in Nashville and I sat with her every day and I had to take a break every now and then. So I'd mm-hmm. sit outside of her room and I'd have my laptop and i i just wrote lyrics to a song one day sitting out there and i completely forgot about it Mm -hmm. i had a recording session which was which was one that was going to actually i was going to make some really good songs but i needed one more song and all of a sudden that song just after after the the thing me not even remembering the song for like five six years it just popped in my head so wait a minute i gotta find that and i found it and i immediately was able to lay down a melody and everything just from the feeling that that came from the lyrics. Oh, so yeah. I tell people who write songs, um, don't, if you're writing it on paper, you, you, there's no need to, you know, tear it up and throw it away. Uh, Save it. Unless you just get some satisfaction in that because there's, there's always something there. Um, right. and, and a lot of the really good writers that I've known, and I'm, I'm talking about P- Carl Perkins, for instance, I'll give you a, for instance, when, when I went to, when me and his daughter went to his studio, which was back behind his house in Jackson, after he passed away, she said, well, I want to show you something. So we went back and there behind the recording studio part of, of the, of the place he had was a great big, long room. It looked like a room that you would store like canned vegetables and things in mm-hmm. for doomsday, just very amazingly long shelves yeah. and, and probably eight foot high ceiling. And on all of the shelves, all of them were filled with pages and papers and notes and everything of stuff he had written. Oh, wow. And he just, he just put it aside. 
Wow. <laughs> you know? See, and that, I just looked that's at that a legacy. Like, well, yeah. He valued these things, and he knew that he probably, in his subconscious, he probably had an index of all those things. He probably didn't forget. Probably didn't forget any of them. Right. You know. And he knew where to get it and, and pull it from if he was looking to do a song. So. Yeah, when I talk about you know what legacy, well, there you go because you start digging through that, and even though you may not know. The, the notes may have not been there. Hey, here's the tempo. Here's the feeling. I think with, with Carl, you could probably read the lyrics and just hear in your head his voice and him telling you, this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. And, and I, I have some of those with me, and they do kind of speak to you. It's a little... It's a little otherworldly when you when you yeah. take a look at it and you go, and it's just in hand his his handwritten stuff, you know, and you're just going, and all of a sudden you can hear the darn thing singing to, you and you go, hold on, hang on, <laughs> let me grab a, a guitar. <laughs> what a gem! Yeah, we we lost him. What uh, 2020? Yeah, it was nineteen ninety eight. Nineteen ninety eight. Okay. Well, Earlier than away. that. Yeah, he had been in the hospital, had several strokes. <laughs> Uh, since that yeah. Thanksgiving of that uh, year before yeah. 97 in January, uh, he was gone. So, um, but no anyway, uh, so I, I, people who create songs and write songs, you know, there's no need to tear the paper up, you right. know, go ahead and go ahead and say what you're going to say and just put it aside. Cause it, it may be the, that may be the thing that, that you, pull out of, of your your closet or your your filing cabinet or wherever you keep it or your or your big room that looks like there should be stars <laughs> the, of the bunker you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. there there's been uh, times I've asked artists they'll have things on their phone <clears throat> and obviously you might yeah. be on your phone now but I said hey do you where do you keep your notes and uh, they'll say oh right here and they pull it I say okay I want you to take one of them right now read it over for you know 15 seconds and then play it. They're like, well, I haven't put music to it. I said, make music to it now. And I've seen artists going, hey, wait a minute. Okay, hang on. Let me take notes. Or I say, don't worry, we've recorded that. Give them ideas of, uh, of what's going on. But it is, it is amazing to see and understand how artists, um, you know, they will create their music and how they go back and look at it and, uh, and go, oh, you know the the birth of the music, if you will, is just absolutely amazing. Right, right. Well, Van, uh, the, uh, an artist from you know e- eons ago, Van Gogh. He didn't he didn't throw any of his works away, and he created most of his works when he wasn't getting paid a dollar right. for it. Yeah. Some he so, painted right over. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, question. You know the uh, way uh, the way music has <laughs> when we grew up, albums were the thing. Um, I remember yeah. that where there was reel to reel, but nobody had that in their house unless they were an auto audiophile. But I remember my very first album that I won on radio. Um, it was Michael Jackson, you know, or that was, I was a kid. It was the first one, but I had list my brother's albums and everything. And we've gone from albums and EPs, LPs, eight tracks, cassettes. We're on to CDs. I think CDs are just coasters now to the digital, uh, music age. And who knows what it's going to be next week. Right. Do you change your approach, or I guess it's a broad question, what do you change in how your music goes out there? Do you keep the same style, 
Um, do you stay true to your heart? Do you find you, you've, you've tweaked things a little bit knowing that music goes out there, it, literally it's at their fingertips, no one buys an album and listens it from track one to the final track. I don't know why they should. You know, that was the, that was the adventure. New album, you're going to listen to it. Everyone, quiet, quiet, we're listening to the album. You know, putting that needle down and hearing that first click and then the first downbeat. But now music is, you know, literally at their fingertips and in their hands all the time. Does anything change for you as a, as a, as a songwriter and an artist? Or do you oh, just keep falling, I mean, going forward? I, when I'm when I'm working on when I'm working on a song or a song is working on me, I don't really have any other idea or anything any sort of concept in my head except um, how can I make this go as best as I can and when do I need to get out of the way and let it write itself? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the only thing that happens there. Now when I'm gonna sit down and go, okay, I'm gonna record this damn thing. And I have a, I do have a specific purpose in mind. If I'm recording it for posterity or because I'm kind of experimenting with what I think that the song, where it needs to go, that's one thing. Uh, there's a whole nother, you know, uh, train of thought that comes in when I go, okay, I'm going to make this song because I do this live and people like it. And so I need a, I need a way to get that into their hands. Mm-hmm. So at that point, that's usually when I go, okay, it's it's time once again to to have a group of songs to go with this song or with these two or three songs or something. So I do think of it still. I do think of of albums as albums as conceptual ideas because that always appealed to me as a kid um, to hear a cohesive effort so mm-hmm. to speak, not something that was all over the map where you went, well, let's see. And, and not, not something that you would necessarily be able to, to, to kind of take two or three albums and turn them into a jigsaw and say, well, this song actually should have been on this yeah. album. It's, it's a storyline. Yeah. It's a storyline. Yeah. Tell a story and, and try to have a sense of, of a cohesive energy about the record. Let it, let it, let it start at one end and end at the other. Um, uh, on purpose, a lot of times, I like to end an album with something that's that's kind of settles into more of like a spiritual thing, mm-hmm. uh, but not not particularly a, a gospel thing, but something that has some spirituality to it, junk like that, or even something that may kind of have a, a spiritual twist it so to speak something not spooky or scary but just something that's that kind of kind of leaves a listener with i don't i don't want to i don't want to close somebody's mind at the end of the record i want their mind to to be more open when it's done i want to go oh wow well that kind of that kind of leaves me out here in the you know in the desert you know looking for the sequel or Mm -hmm. or you know trying to Trying to make sure that some aliens didn't escape the uh, the the, spat, the spacecraft that crashed here and stuff like that. Leave them wanting more. Uh, yeah, well, in a way, leave them wanting more, but in a way, just give them a, almost kind of set them free and go. There you go. This is my last thought. Um, take it or leave it. There, here it is, and that's usually how 
an album will end for me. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the thing that they did on the end of um, Sergeant Pepper's? Oh, I was just was thinking about that. Get out of my mind, Randy. I was just yeah, thinking that. And, yeah. and at the end, they they had all the pianos lined up, and they all hit the same chord at the same Boom. time. And the engineer had to push the faders all the way up. You could you could actually hear the air conditioning unit yep. running and a door close and a door click. Yeah, the faders up. So in you're way, in my mind, Randy. I was ju- I was just I was just thinking that same thing. I went, just like yeah. that. Yeah, just like Beatles. Yeah. So it, it, to, to me, that I, I like an album ending like that. Like, here you go. I'm setting you free. I've I've had your attention. <laughs> I've told you a story. Time to go. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know? I, I do miss the the days, and we talked about you know getting an album when the album would come. You either go to a record store, and I, I think there's some generations now that missed out. I mean, they can go to there's Chief Records in in the stockyards, and there's a few. Um, you know, record stores still in existence. They're it's they're going away, but the idea to go in there and see what's new, to to find that limited album, they have one, and I'm buying it. I remember buying um, Emerson Lake and Palmer Brain Salad Surgery. Some people are going, who? Listen to it. Yeah. It is just, I mean, it's it's a mind-boggling, exciting album. It's it's just like uh, you know, Pink Floyd, The Wall. It is an experience. I also miss the days when I'd go see the bands live and the, the theatrics, uh, you know, it it could be costume changes. It could be scenery, the lighting, how everything changes because music is more than just audible. It's how it makes you feel, how it makes you feel at that moment, how it brings you to a time in your life, you know, good, bad, indifferent, whatever it may be that helps you, I'm getting metaphysical, but you know, form your life, how it can, you know, help you with, you know, sad times and happy times. I miss the theatrics of it, whether it was listening to the album and looking at the artwork or going to the show. Do you incorporate when you're doing a live show? Um, do you, and I, to me, that's what I grew up with. And I love the artists that do it. And we still have some that still, you know, are into that. Do you incorporate, um, Maybe not the big scenery changes and pyrotechnics. I don't know if you have pyrotechnics. It's okay if you do, Randy. But but do you get into the, 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 the and I'm air quotes here, the theatrics of the performance of bringing people up to a high spot and instead of just keeping it high, you bring them lower? I mean, do you, like an ebb and flow, do you do, you do that with your live shows? Or do you- I do that with, I do that with, with what I play mm-hmm. and I will I will do it with stories that go with the song. So uh, my favorite thing to do from from my wheelhouse is to convey a story, a personal story, something that's really grounded, and then play the song uh, and look for that ultimate reaction mm-hmm. or look for that look for that that one person out there who goes. They they complete it completely hits them exactly really? where I wanted yeah. it to hit them. Yeah. So, um, as a live performer, I purposely seek out to to cause an effect. I'm not an introverted person who is just kind of standing up there and you know hoping that it that's it's all over with pretty soon so I can go home. Um, my goal is to go out and to reach people with something, uh, some sort of a, something in the, something in the song or something about the song, 
I want it to speak to someone. I want them to relate to it. I want them to go, wow. You know, I I remember my dad, he used to do that or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I, uh, that made me think of this or that made me feel this way because the best moments that I've ever had on stage always happened as soon as I came off the stage. And I talked to somebody who said, you don't know what you, you just did. You, know, right. you don't know how that affected me. And, and I go, well, tell me about it because that's what I really like to hear. I like to hear yes. that, that something I did, did something for you, mm-hmm. you know, did something important that, that meant something to you. Um, there's, uh, there's times when I have played songs that I didn't write, uh, and, and I've done things. Um, I'll give you an example. This is just a quick example. I don't know if your listeners would be interested in this or not, but I was playing in a place. I had a, I had a house gig in a place in Nashville at a place called Opryland hotel. Mm-hmm. And it was a pretty swanky place that I had with a band. Um, and on the off nights we would still play, uh, even if it wasn't busy, but, um, it was always different because I got a chance to sort of stretch out and sort of kind of let my subconscious dictate my, my playlist. So one night I'm sitting there and I'm looking out and there's not many people who are, who are, who are watching. Um, and it's kind of dark out there. And so I go, you know, I don't know what it is, but, um, I'm gonna do a couple of Tom T hall songs. My dad loved Tom T hall. So here we go. Mm -hmm. So I played a couple of Tom T hall songs. I took a break and I went over and there was this family who were sitting at the edge of the room. It was, it was obviously a whole family unit. Mm -hmm. And the one person who was a lady who was, she was an older lady, but she wasn't like a grandmother lady. She was kind of almost my age. She looked at me, she said, who are you? I said, well, my name's Randy Moore. I said, I'm, you know, I play here all the time. I said, um, I said, how are y'all doing? She goes, well, we're doing fine, but we just wanted to know, how did you know? Uh. I said, I said, well, how did I know what? She said, well, I'm going to tell you a story. And she said, I want you to listen to this because this is very important. This is the first night that we've all been out together since Pappy took his own life. Ooh. I said, well, I'm so sorry. They, they, she, she said, no, you don't understand. He took his own life because he had such bad cancer that was incurable. He didn't want to put us through any of that other stuff that people mm-hmm. always have to go through. Yeah. So he did that. He said, she said, his favorite singer was Tom T. Hall. Mm-hmm. She said, how did you know? I said, ma'am, I didn't know. I said, I just listened to my subconscious yep. and I said, I'm glad that we were all here tonight. She says, well, thank you. Because she said, because of you, we're probably all going to be able to go out again yeah. and have a good time now. Randy, there is no such thing as a coincidence on things like that. That was, uh, that was, there was, there was intent on that. And, you know, you walked in there not knowing that that was the song you were going to play and they didn't know, but it was, uh, it was planned to be that way. That's the amazing thing of music is what music can do for us and do to us. It can, I've, I've met people that music has literally saved their lives. They were, getting ready to uh, uh, actually, as one person said, go the way of Hemingway and actually heard a song um, by uh, one of our Texas artists. And it was about a character that was going to take his life, but you know how we fought through that. And he goes, well, if if that guy in the song can do it, I can do it. And and, any other songs that will make us cry in a car because that song reminds us of, you know, there he is, Pappy. And you know, even though there's a loss and we're sad and the and the and the pain that was before that, 
a simple song can really be so comforting. It can also be our what I call a walk-on song, your victory song. You know, if when you enter the MMA ring, what song is just screaming that just gets you pumped up for life and then you just throw your hands, fists in the air, like, yeah, let's go. Music has yep. such an amazing ability to bring us out of the depths and support us when we're at the top and carry us through difficult situations and just make us feel like we're alive. So that that's an awesome story. Well, that's, that's the reason why I do this because if I want to get in front to get in front of people who are listening, that's the kind of effect that I like for things to have. I like for things to, to work, uh, in a, in a good way for people. Um, I, I don't care if, if I ever write a song that makes me enough money to build a swimming pool, that doesn't really, (laughs) that's not a big deal to me, but, but the story that I told you, that's a big deal to me. <laughs> that that is huge. That is that's a beautiful song. You know, at Real Texas Radio, we really put an emphasis on the stories behind the music as well as the stories behind the artists. And you know, hearing that um, is just fantastic. Um, do you? And I, I I hear your music, and I I can imagine the stories. I, I hope the opportunity presents that before every song I tell people, I know concerts, you got to keep the pace going and keep the audience, but to convey and share the story behind that song can do exactly what happened that night for somebody in an audience it might be in the back of the back of the music hall or back of the venue to hear that story where they can connect. Um, so I, I always tell artists as if, if you, when that opportunity arrives, tell the story behind the music because that's beautiful. Yep. I mean, uh, and you know, it's, it's not all about stuff like that, but it definitely is always about, you know, giving them something, you know, and, 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 and it's, it's, it's something that matters to them, whether it is something that's funny or fun or kind of serious or sentimental or whatever, you yeah. know, it's it just, and that's why I say as, as creators and purveyors of, of music, we're, we're not selling notes and, and chords and, and lyrics and words. We're, we're selling emotions. We are, we are purveyors of emotions, <laughs> and those are always the best things, and yes. those are the things that last. Indeed. So. And the, the experience of listening to, I, I call it, you know, it, you're an artist. You know, people say, well, yeah, I'm a musician, but you, you're painting with the story you're you're painting with the chords and you know that's that's your job is to paint this masterpiece that at the end of the song when that last chord fades people should be able to look at it and go aha i see i see the whole picture framed up you know it, it's they, they are just beautiful stories and I, unfortunately i think a lot of people go through life with music as a background noise when you know there's so much so much beauty in music uh, you know, and it doesn't well, have to be a nice they, melody. They built, they built, yeah, but they built an industry around <clears throat> you know song after song after yeah. song. So mm-hmm. that's 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 to be expected. Um, but that's like looking at the the days of the calendar uh, on your wall, uh, day after day after day. Sometimes those days, a few of those days, probably mean more than others. Um, but I say time means more than anything that yes. that you can. Uh, ever get because you can't buy it and you can't get it back once you spend it. So, yeah, uh, so it's a, it's a, 
it's it's a it's a kind of a it's kind of a funny thing that that and I tell people too you know it's a funny thing that 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 people who do what I do are afforded the opportunity to do it, it it's <laughs> it's not it's not completely a necessity, but somehow it's 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 very needed. So right. I'm kind of grateful that it is. <laughs> uh, we're very thankful for you. You know, some new as 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 uh, new artists, you know, people hear your music and other music, and you know, I would say, you know, in high school, it's like, well, the girls like the guitar, so I'm gonna learn to play guitar. But there's something about music that that captures people's hearts, their interests, their mind. Um, and they say, you know, I want to do this. And it's not not just to be on stage in front of people, but to convey the story. And artists starting off, especially today, because there's a million and five artists born every day, I think. Um, you know, there's everyone's going to try their hand. We see it on, uh, on social media, you know, every day. And some of them turn out to be just amazing artists. And some of them are, you know, don't. Uh, and I mean that in a... In a, in a you know, the reach, they don't reach millions of people, but I never want to discourage them at all because music is a beautiful thing. But with artists uh, starting out now, I always like to ask the experienced uh, uh, talent, you know, what, what advice do you give to this younger generation or the people just starting out um, writing and and playing because they're going to hit frustration after frustration, writer's block. I don't know how this chord should progress or how the song should progress. Is there, as I call the elevator story that you would uh, share with any of these uh, artists that are just starting? Well, it's as a, as a music person and as a musician, um, I tell people do as much and as often as you can. Mm -hmm. Don't ever, don't ever say no. To anything, go out and experience it, uh, even if you don't know how to do it. And heck, if you screw it up, you're going to learn something anyway. That's right. So, um, and the more that you play, uh, just screw around with your instrument or, or with your lyrics or with your voice or anything. The more that stuff you do, the better that you're going to be at it naturally when it when it's going to count for something. Um, there's a guy named Elvis Presley that people have seen a movie about, but I don't know. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I don't know if they have added this detail into this film or not. But, but from what I understand, people who were around the guy said every time they were around him, he was, he was singing, he was singing all the time. Now this is a guy who got paid millions of dollars to sing, but yet he enjoyed it. But not only that, he would sing all the time. So when he would get on a microphone in the studio or he, when he got on stage, you didn't have to think about it, man. It was there. It was, it was coming out of him naturally. So if you're going to do this, do it as much and as often as you can. So it can be a natural part of what you do. Part of being a natural part of what you do is write what you feel, write what you know, write what you experience. Um, and, and make sure that, that you're being true to yourself at the end of the experience, because, 20 years from now, you're either going to go, what in the hell was I thinking? Or you're going to go, wow, I can't believe I was thinking that. That's great. So you want to have a wow at yes. 20 years from now when you look back on something that you do. A lot of that stuff, I don't have wows on. Some of it I do. So I'm happy for that. In the business, if you enter into the business portion of it, remember, you are your own 
person and your own thing at the end of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. The people who are in the business, uh, they, uh, you know, they can all get another person to represent. Um, but you, you're the only, you're the only person who's doing what you're doing at that time. They can all go out and do this. You can, you can find, um, managers, agents, um, uh, publicists, producers, uh, publishers, um, all of the, the headings that people, you know, put their jobs under in the music industry, they can all get somebody else to do what you're right. doing. Yeah. So they can all find that, a Johnny that, Bravo. Right. Just, just know when they tell you to, to do something, listen to them, but always go back to your, your, the voice inside of you yes. telling you what you need to do. Amen. Uh, because that's a, that's a hard, those are hard decisions to kind of deal with because you can look and see, well, they're obviously successful. They've done this or they've done that. You don't even, you don't even know that they're the ones who cause the success that has surrounded them. Right. Because every, everything that I've ever seen that's been wildly successful was purely by accident. <laughs> so you, you have to take into to account those kinds of things. You don't discount the fact that people have experience and they know what they're doing. They've been around yeah. it. But you do discount the fact that they don't really know who you are. Yeah. They only have a small sampling of who you are as an artist. So take that into account. Take into the account that what what their opinion of you and what they would like for you to do is only because they've had a brief encounter of who you really are. They don't completely know you. So just just take that into account um, for whatever value that, that has for an artist. That's really important yes. because a lot of people have – they've been steered in the wrong direction pretty quickly and they've gotten pretty disenchanted with it. And I know people who very talented, very happy with doing what they were doing. And all of a sudden they just up and quit. And they said, I don't want to do this no yeah. more. I've, I've yeah. known artists that are the same thing. They've just stopped. They had to take a break because they were so frustrated with the process. It was, you know, with like processed food, it was just, we have to do this, have to do this, have to do this. I don't want to yeah. have to do something. I want to do something. It should be that yeah. way. You know, you talk about, yeah. you know, surrounding yourself. You work with a, a real newcomer to the industry, getting Foley. Sarcasm there, everybody. <laughs> Foley's been around for uh, for a while and knows. So how long how long have you all been working with her? Well, I've been working with her for about the last seriously, probably for about the last six years. Mm-hmm. But she's been around doing stuff promotional wise yeah. for probably about fifteen or yeah. twenty. Once, once she retired from being a math teacher, she decided that she loved uh, being around music. So she just kind of involved herself, and yeah. and she learned how to do things that would help um, artists get their music out and help yeah. grow their music. She's not necessarily a a player uh, in the business, but that's okay because uh, what's great about her is is like when she talks to people who are in the business, it's almost like a breath of fresh air because they're not hearing the same lingo and jargon that they hear every day day in and day out from people who are insiders and players they actually like hearing somebody who can just kind of speak from their heart and say i'd really like to learn about this or i'd really like to know about this instead of you know instead of 
you know, which I've experienced a lot and probably done it myself. What can you do for me today? Right. Or yeah. if you can't do anything for me today, I don't have any time yeah. for you. And yeah. we're, we're fortunate to have some, you know, as dealing with radio, we just call them the radio promoters. There are some that are, are I, I really do consider good friends. Uh, we talk almost on a weekly basis. The first phone call is like, hey, Michael, here's my new artist. Here's the new song. Spin it, Max Spins. You know, we talk about life, you know, good, bad, and ugly, you know, past, present, future. And, uh, you know, people like Guinea uh, and others are just wonderful to have in your team. And she does a great job. When she reached out to me, I'm like, absolutely. You know, you've got a, yeah. you've got your current single out on, on radio right now, Luke and Bach. And uh, I think it just moved up a couple spots. So it, it's, people say, well, it's been out eight weeks. Well, typical song is about 24 weeks is very typical. And uh, yeah. I'm looking at it and you've got some nice increase. You got a 22 more spins last week, more station, more stations picked you up. And uh, that's we're just, a, we're just up. That's, uh, I mean, I, I'm kind of happy with the, with the idea that, it's not going too fast. Yeah, yeah. I, when you see a song that's been in there, you know, two weeks and it's already number five, right? You know, there are those songs. Um, you know, granted, there are those songs that go in there, but you know, I, I like to see a song mature uh, because we know that song's going to be you know lasting a long time. Uh, for example, there was a, a gentleman um, I mentioned his name, Jared Morris, won the songwriter competition with Larry Joe Taylor back in 2018 with a song called Red Bandana. And that was his first single, had several singles since then. But when he finished his set with that song, crowd went wild. I went back and yeah. looked. Yes, that song progressed and matured. It went up and finally got into that top section. I don't know if it went number one, but it was definitely in, in, the, in, the, in the top ten. It was a solid song, and it matured. It wasn't played so much that people got tired of it. But you know, Luckenbach, a, a great song and a great story behind it as well. I mean, you you can hear... You don't even have to tell me. I can hear that story developing as your, as it plays on. <laughs> it, it all came from my Texas crazy woman. <laughs> <laughs> we got to have those. We have to have those. <laughs> well, Randy, uh, where can people find out more about you? Uh, in the interweb net, uh, to find out where you're playing next, what's going on, your journey. Where, what's all, the, all of that, my, my complete source for everything is my website, Randy. C more R A N D Y initial C M O O D um Randy C more.com. Uh, it's got everything on there. Schedule bio. It's got um uh it's got videos, um all all kinds of stuff. So um Outstanding. it's just uh, that that's really where you can go. I've got the Facebook pages, I've got one mm-hmm. called friends of randy c Moore, and i've got randy c Moore music i'm on instagram and i'm on twitter and all that kind of stuff um but really the website is the main source for being able to do anything all the way up to and beyond um purchasing an album downloading or getting an actual hard copy compact disc because i'm still I'm still printing those up at this point. Good for until, you. Until, like what you said, they, they move on to some other strange uh, external media source. <laughs> they, they keep birds away from your peach tree if you hang them on wire. Yeah, you know, pretty soon it'll be, hey, it's a, it's a, it's a thumbnail drive. Oh, I've got, no, no, it's an actual thumbnail. We put it on your hand. 
Yeah, people say, well, I'm going to go thumb drives, but you know, what do you do with those? Yeah, I mean, music changes how it's delivered uh, just daily. So, Randy, it has been indeed a, uh, a pleasure speaking with you. I look forward to meeting you in person, and we'd love to have you uh, live with us on one of our live shows. And uh, we wish you the very best with Luke and Bach. And uh, where you got any uh, tours coming up uh, in the next uh, for the rest of this year, which is almost over? Well, I'm I'm gonna be actually I'm gonna be in Lukenbach, Texas, uh, playing uh, in October. Um, it's gonna be um, let me see. Let me look something up here real quick. I'm gonna be at uh, in Trinity, Texas, this Friday at the community at the community fair, hey. uh, which is gonna be fun um, at. Uh, in Trinity, Texas. Mm-hmm. And then um, Saturday, I'm playing at a place that I always like to play. It's a winery in Nacogdoches. It's called Naca Valley. It's great because <laughs> the guy who creates like the, the name, the guy who creates the wines out there, he's appropriate. He is appropriately named Buzz. So there nice. You so you not only do you get a buzz from the wine, you get <laughs> wine from a buzz. From Buzz. So. Fantastic. <laughs> Uh, and then I'm going to be um, in Fort Worth on Sunday uh, at 4 p.m. Actually, with a guy named Dave Thomas. We're doing a oh, song swap. Love at Dave a place Thomas. Red Dog Saloon. Where are you going to be? At the Red Dog Saloon. Red Dog Saloon. You, uh, I, I won't be there. I'm going to. I'm busy. But you give uh, Mr. Dave Thomas a hi and a hug for me. He is a a wonderful, wonderful human being. Love him and his oh, wife. They are just great. Some of the best people on the faces that are here in uh, good company, and I know they're in good company as well. He's totally, he is totally great. Let me, let me, um, let me look at this date real quick though, because I'd like for some folks to come out to Lukenbach out to the hill country. I'm going to be out there on October the 30th. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be in Kilgore on the 20th at a place called Back Porch, which is a great place to, uh, for people to come see music. I'm going to be around here in my hometown in Lufkin at a place called 58 Junction on October 21st. And um, so there you go. I mean, Fantastic. I've got quite a few dates uh, that that I'll just be knocking around, telling those stories, playing those songs. And and um, there some of them are outdoors. So I'll, along with all that, I'll be hoping to God it's not going to rain. Yeah. So. Maybe we can actually... But actually, I hope it does rain because we had so little rain. <laughs> I, I don't mind. I'm just looking forward to the weather where I say, I should bring a lightweight jacket. I'm looking forward to that. Randy Seymour, it has been a pleasure, sir. And uh, we're going to play your current single out on Radio Luchenbach right here. Once again, this is Mr. Randy Seymour right here on Real Texas Radio.
never discover where we're going now. 